Hey y'all, this is E.T., the podcast producer behind this show. I'm filling in for Eileen this month. Thanks for tuning into the Northern Logger podcast. I actually realized the other day that we're about to enter our fourth year with this podcast. I honestly can't believe it's gone by so fast. From the very beginning, we've been so lucky to have such a large and loyal listenership. Honestly, this doesn't happen with other podcasts. They have so many listeners who are so loyal. You've been with us all while we've covered the transition to e-logs, the global trade crisis, the pandemic, the changing markets, and navigating a labor shortage. Together, we've also learned about young people in our industry, new equipment, literal horse-powered logging operations, lady truckers, spruce budworm, Christmas tree markets, the plight of the larch trees, the mysterious jumping Frenchman of Maine, marathoners with chainsaws, wild times at the logging expos, assisted migration, AI and sawmills, fighting forest fires, and honestly just so much more, so many great stories. If you haven't heard our back catalog of podcasts, do yourself a favor and go to the northernloggerpodcast.com or your favorite podcast streaming platform to catch up on the sounds of the industry. I also wanted to say thank you for all the kind messages that Eileen and I have received through the years. These messages make this job great and feel so worthwhile. Also, thank you for the feedback that's helped us make a better podcast. So today we're playing a back episode that was one of the most popular ones in 2021, where we talked to Jim Reynolds of Thurman, New York, about the ins and outs of log trucking in the Adirondacks. I'd guess this episode was so widely loved because Jim is a great storyteller, but he also really captures the heart and soul of log trucking with his flexibility, kindness, and grit, as well as his many, many years in the business. So without further ado, here's Jim Reynolds. Okay, well, I guess uh, I live in Hadley, New York now. I was born in Thurman, grew up there, attended Warrensburg School and graduated out of there. I was the last born of, of, well, basically seven kids there. My dad was a wood hauler and a livestock dealer. My mom, of course, raised us kids in a big garden and chickens and sheep and ponies. Did several other, oh, she picked this lycopodium stuff in the fall and they made wreaths out of that. When I was young, real young there, we didn't actually have power at the house or anything. Everything was wood stove. Mom did a lot of baking and all that. So the work ethic was, was always there. There was always chores to do and lots of work. Yeah, my parents were, were quite old when I was born. My mom was 40. My dad was 52. We lost mom when I was 12. But I had a bunch of older sisters there that kept a pretty close eye on me. After I got old enough to kind of work outside of the farm there, did several odd jobs and stuff my last couple years of school. Right out of school, about three months later, I went in the service and came back out of the service. I stopped down at my dad's one morning and said I was going down and go to work for Joe White driving a wood truck. And at that point, dad says, well, you want to drive a wood truck? Why don't you just buy mine? I said, well, I don't have any money. <laughs> he said, well... If you want to buy it, uh, you can just buy it from me. And I said, well, gee, what are you going to do? At that time, he was 73. He said, maybe I'll retire. 
<laughs> and I said, well, what if I can't pay for it? He said, you can probably still go to work for Joe White. <laughs> that was the beginning. That was a single axle truck, what they called a single chute loader at that time. And I drawed about four cords of wood on it per trip and hired a fella to feed the chute at the bottom end. I grabbed the wood as it came off the truck at the top end, picked up Dad's customers, and away we went. And over the years, we have kind of expanded. We went on to, I've got, I've got some pictures that I will show and will send to you there. We have one of our second truck with a double chute loader, they called them. Then in 73 there, I came back out of the service, and three months later, met my wife on a blind date or met my girlfriend on a blind date at that point. And a couple of years later, we got married, and we're still married today. So as the years went on with the trucking business here, we kind of expanded second truck tag axle, and we brought about six cords to a load. And then in, I believe it was December of 76, we bought another truck and mounted a loader, a hydraulic loader behind the cab. Being as we had the hydraulic loader, now we could draw logs and pulpwood, which the first couple trucks here without a loader on them, you couldn't do that. From there on out, things just kind of grew, and it was 1983. I added a pup trailer, started drawing with a truck in a short trailer behind it, pup trailer behind it, with a loader. And we've just kind of grown from that to where we are today. We run a seven-axle truck today with a, a truck and pup trailer set up. Oh, normally run somewhere in the neighborhood of 12 to 15 loads a week when everything is working well. And the mills are, of course, buying the wood, and the guys are getting cut have one cutter uh, who is also a brother-in-law of mine who uh, I've trucked his wood now for all 47 years. He was working for his father when uh, when I first started drawing, and then a couple of years later he bought his own skidder. Right now he's, he just turned 80, but he still cuts, and uh, when I'm when I get back to going again, I'll be drawing his wood again. So what do you think was the hardest you know, learning curve, getting started in the business? Oh, probably the hardest learning curve, I I would have to say, is money management. Because just because you have a good week or a good month doesn't mean that it's it's going to be that way forever. The the markets are so volatile today. Uh, What was bringing great money last week, uh, all of a sudden the mill gets flooded or the market decreases. uh, And and so so money management, because that check comes and it's in your name, doesn't mean it's all yours. You've got to take care and dole it out to everybody, you know, and and make sure that there's enough for a rainy day because one of those is coming. And so was there ever a time in your career where you felt like oh man (laughs) should I really be log trucking you know is this the right business to be in oh yeah in in uh in 2001 there there was a strike at one of the mills that was that's a major mill for me I I deal with 
two of the major pulp mills now. When I started, there was a third one right here in Corinth. There, five miles from the house, that went out in. I think it was 01. But in in 01, there was a strike at the Finch Mill, and and they did not buy wood for two years. And at that point, at that point, I thought very seriously of uh, finding another avenue. But uh, I had a a son who had started in the business not long before that, and at that point, a son-in-law that was also drawing wood. And so we didn't want to give up any of it, and I don't believe at that point uh, we kind of stuck with it, did whatever there was to do, and uh, we all got through it. I want to talk to you about markets a little bit and just, you know, how you've seen that change over the course of your career. Oh, golly. When I when I got my first contract with, with one of the paper mills there, I don't know if I should name them or not, but the first contract of my own with international paper was in 1975 and they were paying $25 a cord for pine pulp, which I got 10 to truck it and the cutter got 15. And it's all these years later. And back then trucks were seven, $8,000 to start with. And, and now their truck loader trailer is close to 300. Now this same pine pulp pays about $66 a cord. It's just such a vast change with the insurance requirements, and and uh, the the only way that that the fellows can do it is is uh, the changes in volume that people produce. It's it's almost a shame, but uh, you have to understand it some way or another, and and uh, that's another reason why I say money management. You know you. Everything is so expensive. I mean, uh, you know, your insurances and your registrations. For for my truck, my little operation, I'm a one-man operation with a truck, to not counting buying the truck or buying the fuel or any of the repair parts or any of that. Just simply uh, register it, insure it, and buy the permits. Runs about $1,000 Per month, there you go with a thousand uh, dollars a month outgo before you make anything. So many times it, it looks so great uh, when you're when you're cashing big checks per week, but you you've really got to pay attention to what's going on because you can uh, you can get in over your head so so easily. What, what do you think, besides just you know paying attention to the money and being smart about that, what do you think has been your secret to uh, success in the industry? Oh, uh, I deal with a, uh, a wide variety of people, from, from guys who cut five or six loads a week uh, right down to guys who cut one or two loads a year. Don't overextend yourself. If you can't get to a fellow's wood, uh, try and uh, try and send somebody to him who can get to it. Make sure he gets his money, and make sure that trucker gets gets his share. And, and be careful with uh, with what you charge folks, because that that logger has got to make himself an honest living, and he's got to pay a fair price for his stumpage to the landowners. So so just. 
be careful in your business and don't promise anything more than you can do, be it any more money or or any more loads per week, you know, because they're depending on you as, as you are on them. And so uh, I just want to go through some specifics. What year did you get started in the industry? But I believe the summer that I was 14, my dad needed someone to help him, and I worked for him that summer, and then he hired a another fella in the fall so that I could go back to school. And then the summer that I was 16, I worked with another fella in uh, uh, slipped on the header there. It was the wood was peeling in June, I think it was, and drove my knee into the top of a chainsaw. And so then we took a little hiatus from the wood business. My last two years of school, uh, I worked at a gas station predominantly on the four to twelve shift, and went to school during the day. And um, then, of course, went into the service after I graduated and bought Dad's truck, uh, I believe, five weeks after I got out of the service, it was, 1973. Uh, volunteered. Uh, I went to Munich, Germany first in preparation of the 72 Olympics. Then I went to uh, Vietnam for a year, and then I did my final year in Texas. Thank you for your service. <laughs> no problem. I'm curious about your your dad was a log trucker as well, and I wonder how he got into it. Well, it was uh, it was simply just natural. We lived our, our farm in Thurman was two miles from the Glen Bridge. the The Glen is a small hamlet, and there was a railroad that went through there. And I have some of the old receipts where he had uh, hired people, and people would bring wood to this railroad siding uh, with horses and wagons. And he had a crew of men hired, and they would unload it off the horse and wagons and load it into boxcars to be shipped to the different mills. And um, this would have been, I believe, in the 20s possibly the 30s, but uh, the family was always in the wood business. Uh, we date back to the, the 1700s, actually, in the town of Thurman, and, and one of the, I don't know, great, 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 somewhere back there, grandfathers had a sawmill in Thurman, and that's in Warren County in New York, and uh, so it was it was just a natural progression, you know. He had his he had his truck. I'm not exactly sure even when he bought a truck. Probably, probably I'm going to say the late 30s, possibly early 40s. Yeah, he was born in 1900. He he would use that truck both to to draw wood and to uh, to deal livestock with. He would if somebody in somewhere needed a milk cow, he would go to an auction and try and buy him a milk cow, or if he had a milk cow, he'd trade it to him for a workhorse and and uh, take two pigs in trade and a workhorse and a cord of wood or I mean some of the some of the stories he his his first car that he had he walked a cow from North River to Granville, which is probably I'm gonna say 50 to 60 miles, 
picked the car up, drove it back home, and got 10 bushel of potatoes, put them in the car, and took those to Granville to complete the deal. It took him uh, three days to do the deal. He was, uh, you know, like I say, with him being born in 1900, both him and my mom lived through the Depression. Uh, it was uh, some of the stories that they tell you, you know, of, of, of how they lived. And today it would be primitive, but, um, you know, it was it was how they lived back then. It was, uh, you know, like I say, we grew up without power for a long time. Well, no, no, not that long a time. We had power sometime probably before I was 10 till, till I was grown. I mean, they just, they still heated with wood. There was no uh, no wood or no furnace or no uh, anything like that in the house. Wow. And so uh, can you tell me a little bit about the next generation of your family? I mean, you said you had a, a son and, a, and was it a nephew working with you? I have a son uh, in the wood business now, and uh, he got into it immediately after school. Uh, he graduated, and um, he ran a forwarder for a fellow on a small crew forwarder and a skidder. Then he decided that he better buy his own skidder. He is a uh, fully automated crew now. He has go and the chipper and a couple of uh, loaders with slashers behind and two trucks of his own and one hired truck and they produce I'm going to say around 35 loads a week average of of the various forest products logs, pulp and wood chips. Very proud of him. He does an excellent job. Uh, In fact, we have a couple hundred acres here that I had always kind of thought that I would cut, but I'm a wood trucker, really, not much of a cutter. <laughs> so he'll cut that some, sometime within the next couple of years. So what do you think people who don't, you know, uh, who who say are reading our magazine and they don't really know much about, you know, wood trucking, what do you wish that people understood about wood trucking? Well, golly, I don't know. To, to me, it's almost self-explanatory that... Uh, you know we're we're big trucks. We uh, uh, we take up a lot of a lot of room on the road, but the drivers are these these guys are real professionals. I mean they're running up and down the road with these big loads. They're getting it to the mill day in and day out, and I'm sure that that uh, the accident records are fairly few and far between. They're conscious. They're careful. Uh, the DOT is out there, and they're you know. They're doing their job. They're making sure that these trucks are safe and the drivers are. We're the drivers have to belong to uh, to uh, these consortiums that do drug and alcohol tests. They have to have physicals. We know we're big and slow, and, and, and you know we get in people's way. Folks don't like to follow us around. They can't see by us, but. For the most part, we're just out there just trying to do our job, trying to get by. All right. Well, I feel like I've definitely got enough to get started with writing the story. Okay. Thanks, Eileen. Anything you need, just give me a shout. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Thanks, Jim. And thank you for listening to this month's Northern Logger podcast. 
We love talking to folks like Jim, and we're always looking for suggestions for good stories about loggers that are giving the profession a good name. You can contact me at Eileen, E-I-L-E-N, at northernlogger.com, and uh, let me know what's happening in your neck of the woods.